Good morning, Cibolo Creek. Thanks for joining us today as we continue our summer series with another look at our topic of becoming more like Jesus. Today's teacher is one of my favorite people here at Cibolo Creek and certainly one of my favorite Cibolo Creek stories. And I've been watching this story unfold for nearly 15 years now. When Tom Patterson showed up here at Cibolo Creek for the first time years ago, he would tell you that his life was in a bit of um, disarray. A mess might be a better word for it. His marriage was not in a good place. He was swimming in a mortgage way over his head. His heart was hurting from some painful experiences in his life, and he had made a few choices along the way that had left him feeling far, far from God. I was doing a series of messages around the time that Tom showed up. It was entitled, Tale of Two Cities. And it was the first time that Tom really came to understand the outrageous grace of God. And it was a truth that he needed to hear at that critical crossroads in his life. Tom made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and his life has never been quite the same since. You know, Tom shared with me that the topic that God put on his heart for today is the topic of transformation. They say, always speak from what you know. Well, I can tell you, Tom's journey with Christ is one of a beautiful transformation. I asked Tom to share with you today for a couple of reasons, but at the top of the list is his faithful service and support of our church since the day he first arrived here nearly 15 years ago. Tom has demonstrated a keen and sincere desire to serve the Lord with his life out of a heart of deep gratitude for God's grace toward him. In particular, his heart for the spiritual well-being of men is enormous. Tom has been hosting and leading a Bible study group for men here at Sybil Creek for 12 years. The number of times that that group has not met on a Monday evening could be counted on one hand. They rarely ever miss getting together. He has faithfully endeavored to encourage the men of this church in their faith for years with a heart of joy and a heart of love. Tom has also sensed a keen call of Christ in his life to serve men in prison. And again, for years now, Tom has gone into prison throughout the state of Texas to introduce prisoners to the gospel of Jesus and to invite them to discover the freedom that's found in Christ. He's been a part of opportunities to help fathers in prison to spend time with their children that their incarceration keeps them from enjoying like most other dads. The hearts that have been touched through this ministry is life-changing for these men. And few things bring Tom more joy than being a part of helping that to happen. I love the story of Tom Patterson and the heart that God has transformed over the years that he and I have known each other. It's been like having a front row seat on watching God be at work and forging a reflection of Jesus in a man whose life was once a mess, a privilege for which I will always be eternally grateful. And I'm really glad that you have the opportunity to hear what God has put on his heart today. So how about a warm and generous welcome for a faithful servant of Christ among us, Tom Patterson. Good morning. 
Have y'all ever, um, have y'all ever agreed to do something? <laughs> and then when the day gets here, you're like, uh, what was I thinking? This is what it looks like right here. We'll see how it unfolds. You know, when I agreed to do this, um, God didn't tell me that I was going to get the flu that same week. So uh, I'm on day 11 of fighting the flu. And uh, I did go to the doctor. It is confirmed the flu and not that other stuff. He tells me I'm not contagious. So I think y'all are good right there, Tristan and Kelly, I think. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it is unusual being up here with y'all today. But, you know, here's the thing. It doesn't matter how bad I screw this up today. Uh, there are two things that I really want you to remember uh, when I uh, go through this today. If I botch this big time, I want you to remember two things. Number one, God still loves you no matter what I say or do. And number two, there's no refund, y'all. I'm sorry. So... If y'all put your money in that uh, offering box back there, you can't go dig it out whenever I'm done. Uh, not my rules. I'm just the messenger. So please forgive me for that. Fair enough? That's our homage to Paul Wilson right there. Amen, right? So that will let Paul know that we miss him and we love him. And I really miss you right now, bro. Big time. So um, I'm going to try to keep the coughing down to a minimum. You know, I was reading... This morning, Romans chapter 8, and that is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And if, you, if you're not familiar with it, go read it, study it, meditate on it. It's an amazing chapter. But it says in Romans 8 that, um, you know, if we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf with wordless groans. So you might hear some weird noises coming from the stage today. And uh, if you hear some groaning, we'll just put that off on the Holy Spirit, okay? So uh, that, that introduction that uh, Paul gave me there, wow, uh, pretty amazing. But, you know, the one thing that he said that I have to emphasize, it was a very transparent introduction. And I'm so glad that he did it that way because God taught me a long time ago that transparency is extremely important, you know? And he was absolutely right when he said that I was a mess when I walked in here the very first time. You couldn't tell it from the outside. From the outside, it looked like I was on top of the world. But on the inside, I was a complete and total mess. The one little thing, though, that he did get wrong that I'm just going to share with you because it's relevant. Um, I, I showed up here in a 2005 which I think, if my math is right, it was about 18 years ago. And the only reason I know that to be true is because on December the 15th, 2004, I was arrested for DWI in San Antonio. And so that was the one thing. That was not the first time I had been arrested, but it was the last time. And that was the thing that God used to drive me to the doors, front doors of this church and then God used this church and the people in it to, to start a transformation in me. And I am forever grateful for that. Uh, you know, about a month ago, this message that I'm going to try to share with you today, God gave this to me about a month ago. 
And I thought, wow, God, that's pretty cool. I'm not sure what you want me to do with that, but, you know, thank you for offering that up to me. And then a few days later, Paul asked me to do this, and the dots were connected for me. And, uh, and it really blessed me to see that being put to use. So we're going to talk about today transformation. We're going to talk about the transformational character of Jesus, but I'm also going to try to express to you that in my opinion, transformation is also one of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever performed back then and still today. Because without that miracle of transformation, I wouldn't be who I am. Maybe you wouldn't be who you were. Our world would be a completely different place. So in order to try to uh, illustrate that to you today, I'm going to first, I want to reference a couple of things that Landon said last week. Landon did an awesome job last week, y'all, filling in for Paul. I was at home sniffling and watching it online and coughing, but he did an amazing job. And there were two things that Landon said that really jumped out at me that's relevant to what I have to say to you today. And the first thing is he talked about choices. And he talked about how choices are the God-given gift of free will that we have. Again, it is a gift from God that we have this free will. But within that free will, we have choices, everyday choices, but we also have eternal choices. And that, of course, is the most important. So we have a choice to make about Jesus and how we're going to respond to him. And then he also talked about surrender. Surrender is huge, y'all. I think personally in my experience, my personal experience and with people, men that I have worked with specifically, this is the hardest thing of all. Because a lot of people say they're Christians. A lot of people accept Jesus as, as their Savior and they get baptized. But they never surrender to Jesus. And that second part is critical, y'all. Surrender, uh, that word in our country, I think, has a negative connotation. But in the context of Jesus and our faith, it is not a negative connotation. It comes with great courage and reverence and humility. But the surrender that I'm talking about is simply meaning that we have the willingness to learn from Jesus. Not just to accept him for who we are and sh or who he is and show up on Sunday, but then start to surrender certain parts of our lives to him so that we can make more room for him and learn from him. And then hopefully start the transformation process. So there's one thing, three steps to this transformational process that are so important. And I'm just going to go ahead and just drop it up front uh, this morning. I'm not going to wait till the very end. I'm just going to tell you uh, what it is so that I can lean into that with the rest of this conversation. As I said, we need to choose Jesus. And we need to surrender to Jesus. And then the third thing that is so critical, y'all, is that we have to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives to guide us and lead us and transform us. Look, it's a holy trinity, y'all. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
And God's plan for us in our lives cannot work the way He wants it to when we take one of those three things out of the equation. It doesn't work that way. And so I'm one of those people that just thinks that the Holy Spirit doesn't get enough press. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just do. Uh, anywhere for that matter, not just here, but almost anywhere. And so we have to remember that and think about that and invite the Holy Spirit into our lives to lead us, guide us, convict us, and show us truth and wisdom. Anything that I have to say to you today of any value is not from me. I'm not, I'm, I'm not the sharpest tack in the box, y'all. I'm not the smartest guy in this room by far. But anything of value that I have to share with you comes from the Holy Spirit. And these things are important because, look, Paul committed an entire year to talk to y'all about discipleship. And he's done it awesomely, you know, over the last six or seven months. But here's the thing, is that true discipleship does not happen without transformation. I mean, look, we can say and we can do and we can look like, like I looked like when I showed up here, I had it all together. <laughs> but I did not. I was a mess. But in order to have true discipleship, meaning that our heart has been transformed and we are right with the Lord, and then from that place of transformation, we are responding to Jesus in a way that He wants us to respond to Him. Not works, but a response to His love and His grace and His mercy. Fair enough? Yes. Now you're supposed to say, fair enough? Yes. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. We'll get it right, Paul, in a minute. So the way that I'm going to try to illustrate that to you this morning is through one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Uh, one of my favorite men in the Bible. He wasn't just a character, but one of the most powerful men in the Bible. And we're going to do that through um, talk about the transformational character of Jesus. Uh, I've already gone through this. See, I, I knew I was going to screw this up, man. <laughs> Bear with me. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Peter. And we're going to talk about Peter's journey with Jesus and Peter's transformation in his time with Jesus back in the day. But in order to do that, in order for me to show that to you, we've got to start with a baseline. So we need to look at and think about who Peter was before he met Jesus. He was nobody special. He was an unschooled fisherman. He was uneducated. He wasn't viewed as someone of high intellect because that's how he ended up being a fisherman. Right? He wasn't taken in by a rabbi and tutored and trained because he wasn't viewed to be a smart guy. He was a fisherman. He was hard. He worked hard. He probably stunk all the time. And on a good day, he smelled like fish. You know what I mean, Darren? I know Darren knows what I'm talking about. On a good day, he smelled like fish. He was also very outspoken. He was strong-willed. He was impulsive, he was brash, he was boastful, and he was rash. I mean, he was a little bit of a crazy character, you know? And I don't know if y'all know anybody like that, or if you can relate to any of that, but I can. I can. 
on very, on very many levels I can relate to Peter. So let's see what happens in Peter's life with Jesus and how Jesus transforms him. So this first scene that I'm going to take you to is in Matthew chapter 4. And I'm going to kind of set it up for you real quick. So Jesus has been baptized and he has gone into the desert where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. He gets through that 40 days and he's cared for by the angels and he comes out of the desert and he begins his ministry. He starts preaching. He starts going through the countryside preaching to everybody that he could find. And then of course he knew ahead of time, but he realized this was the time that he had to start to assemble his team. He had to pull his crew together because Jesus knew, just like we know, or we should know, is we can't do this all on our own, right? Not that Jesus couldn't do it all on his own, but he didn't want to do it all on his own. He wanted men at his side walking with him on this journey to help him. But it was also about growing them, right? So in this scene in Matthew 4, Jesus rolls up on, on Peter. Peter, he's out fishing with his buddies. And this is what it says. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and they followed him. And it's the last part of this, y'all, that I love so much. They immediately dropped their nets and they followed him. They made a choice. They made a, an eternal choice right then and there. They didn't hesitate. They saw a great opportunity. At this point I think they really didn't understand who Jesus was. They thought he was just a rabbi and a teacher. And of course they had never received an imitation like that from somebody like that. But guess what? They didn't powwow on it. They didn't sleep on it. They didn't go talk to somebody about it. They just dropped their nets and they said, yes, I will follow you. And that's the kind of response that we need to have. Because when we don't, we get bogged down by all the distractions and the mess in our lives. And then we wake up one day and you're as old as I am and you still haven't made that choice yet. So that to me is so critical that they immediately dropped their nets and they followed him. That was the first step of his transformation, of course. So now let's go to scene two. Scene two is found in Matthew 26. And in this particular case, this, uh, it's, it's really kind of cool that we did communion today because I'm going to reference that scene a couple of times here. So this is at the Last Supper. And this is at the point where Judas had decided to betray Jesus. And then Peter, good old Peter. Peter uh, goes on display here. He shows his pride, his brashness, and his cocky attitude in an unbelievable way, I think. And in my opinion, was a bad choice. 
So in this particular scripture, it says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And then get this. This almost reads to me like Peter is interrupting Jesus in the middle of his conversation. And Peter replies, well, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I mean, how, how prideful and boastful is that? I mean, he's talking to the creator of all things. And at this point, he spent three years with Jesus. Jesus. And he still interrupts him and tells him that. Then Jesus answered, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And again, Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Man, I don't know about you, but my heart hurts for him when I read this. Because you see, we have the privilege of knowing what comes next. And what comes next for him is not so great, you know? But because at this point with Peter, he had not really surrendered He was still full of himself, even though he spent three years with Jesus. So look, think of it this way. Don't beat yourself up about this. Because look, even they struggled with the surrender part after spending three years with Jesus. He made a bad choice that night. But he hadn't emptied himself of the pride in all of those things. They were holding him back. There's so many human emotions that we carry around on a daily basis that separates us from that transformation and from God and from being the men or the women that God wants us to be. And we have to learn to empty ourselves of that and surrender ourselves to Jesus. So we're going to go now to uh, scene number three. This is found in Luke 22. And I'm going to have to uh, go a little faster, it looks like, I think. But uh, in scene three, Luke 22, Jesus has now been arrested. And he's been taken to the high priest as the trial begins on that fateful weekend that we all know. And in this particular case, man, this is Peter's great failure right in his life the greatest failure in his life in Luke 22 it says a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight talking about Peter she looked closely at him and said this man was with him but he denied it Peter said woman I don't know him and a little later someone else saw him and said you also are one of them and he goes man I'm not And about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. 
And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. Man. I mean, I just want to cry when I read that. Because I know what that feels like. I know what that guilt feels like. I know what that shame feels like. Have I looked in the eyes of Jesus when that's happened? No. But it still hurts horribly, and I cannot imagine what he felt at that moment. And I don't know how y'all were raised, but when I first read this scripture the first 50 times as a young Christian, I saw that look on Jesus' face as a look of disappointment and resentment and anger and shame. But guess what? That's not what it was at all. Jesus looked at him with the face and eyes of love and forgiveness and empathy. That's totally different. And the result in our lives is totally different. And the transformation then begins because at this point... Guess what? He surrendered, right? He surrendered. So check this out. Has anybody seen the movie uh, Jesus Revolution yet? Yeah. I mean that is uh, that is my one of my new favorite movies of all time. If you haven't seen it, please see it. It's a true story about what historians call the largest revival in the history of our nation. And this quote is from that movie. And I changed it just a little bit, forgive me. But this quote says, don't be so arrogant or ashamed to think that God can't work through your failures. This is so important, y'all. Because look, God created everything, man. He knew ahead of time every failure that you were ever going to make. He knew what Peter was going to do and say. And yet he still loved him. And he still loves you. And if you let him, he can work through your failures. And he can use your failures. And he can take your mess, like my mess, and turn it into a message for him. That might help change other people. So don't ever be so arrogant or prideful to think that God can't work through you and your failures. Amen? You see, it's, it's when we all fail and we're humbled that Jesus can begin to transform us into his disciples. That's key. Failure is a part of the process. It is. So scene four, I'm going to take you to scene four real quick. Now I'm going to set this up for you. This is in John 21. Uh, Jesus has been resurrected at this point. Uh, but Peter, I don't believe, has seen him yet in John 21. And him and his crew, uh, him and his buddies, they are out fishing. And uh, they spend all night long fishing. Fishing hard, trying to catch some food, trying to make some money. And guess what, Darren? They didn't catch anything, man. We never do that, by the way. When Darren and I fish, we always catch something. But they didn't catch anything. But Jesus rolls up on the shore, he sees them, he tells them from the shore, he yells at them and says, drop your net on the other side. 
Drop your net on the other side. That's very significant, but that would have to wait for a different sermon. They don't understand that it's Jesus yelling at them from the shore. They drop their net on the other side, and they catch perhaps the biggest catch they've ever caught. And they're overwhelmed by the number of fish that are in the net. And then all of a sudden, Peter sees that it's Jesus. And his response, I love, I love, love, love. He jumps out of the boat. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't stop. It's just like in the beginning when he dropped the nets and said, I'll follow you. He didn't think about it. He jumped out of the boat and swam a hundred yards to the shore to get to Jesus and left all that fish behind because he didn't care anymore. He saw his Savior and his Lord, and he had a second chance. And so he ends up, Jesus cooks some breakfast, which I think is super cool. But um, in this particular scripture, I'm going to share with you real fast. Uh, Jesus is basically, uh, he is reinstating Peter for service, is what he's doing. And he asked, he asked Peter, he says, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, Lord. And then he asks him again, or he tells him to feed my lambs. And then he asks him again, do you love me? And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then a third time, this is so cool the way Jesus does this. He asked him again, and this time Peter's hurt. Because I think maybe Peter understands what's going on. And it's taken him back to that night. And so he told him, he said, you know that I love you, Lord. You know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then Jesus goes on to tell him that the kind of death that he would endure would glorify God. So in the end, after he surrenders... Now Jesus can work with him. And he reinstates him for service. And he starts transforming him into the man that he wants them to be. Check it out. Failure is never the end of the story when we surrender to Jesus. Failure is never the end of the story when we surrender to Jesus. Scene 5 in Acts 4, I'm going to fly this through this one, y'all. I'm doing a little ad-libbing now, sorry. Scene 5 in Acts 4, this is after the Pentecost. Peter heals a beggar, and he begins to testify in Jesus' name, and then he's arrested. He spends the night in jail, but guess what? At this point, Peter's transformation is complete. And now what happens is he gets called out after, first of all, I think it's important to recognize this. The number of men who believe grew to about 5,000. That's huge. That's what the transformation is all about right here. It's about this. It's, about, it's not about us as individuals. It's about carrying on the work that Jesus did when he was here. So he was arrested, spent the night in jail. After that amazing scene uh, of testifying, healing, and preaching. And then we get to this. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
That's what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit. Without that right there, without that, this would have never happened. Without Him being filled with the Holy Spirit, this would have never happened. You can have the best intentions in the world. But if you're not transformed, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit guiding you and leading you, then you're not going to really fulfill the plan that God has for you. You have to have that. And I promise you from my experience, and and brothers in here, Rick, will tell you the same thing. That when you are in line with God's will and plan through the Holy Spirit and you show up for God, He always shows up for you. Always. Now that doesn't mean that you might not have to spend the night in jail, but, uh, but in the end, God's plan is fulfilled. Amen? Amen. My time is ticking down, y'all. <laughs> I think this is worthy of pointing out as well. At the end of this scene, the men that arrested him and they saw what happened. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these men were with Jesus. There it is. So when you think that you are unworthy to, to serve the Lord... If you think that because of the things that you did or you didn't do disqualifies you from this gift, this miracle of transformation, if you think that God can't use your failures or your weaknesses to serve Him in some very special way, you are, you are hugely mistaken. Believe me, I stand here to testify to that. They were unschooled and ordinary men. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, they just brought thousands to Jesus. Peter was an unschooled fisherman who once failed Jesus horribly, and now he's changing the world. That could be you. Now, maybe you're not going to be a Peter that testifies and preaches and grows the kingdom by 5,000 at one sermon. But you can change the world. That could be you. You can change the world through the power of Jesus. So guys, I, I uh, have just enough time, I think, left. Uh, I kind of mentioned uh, a little bit of this in the very beginning. I'm going to get really transparent with you for a minute. And I'm going to tell you something that I've never said uh, in a public setting like this. And when I say it, I need you to know that this is not something that I'm proud of at all. Quite the opposite. But in order for me to express to you uh, the power of this miracle that, that we call transformation, I need you to know who I was and what my baseline was. In the first half of my life, I was a huge knucklehead. And I made so many bad choices that it is only by the grace of God that I'm still alive, that I'm not incarcerated, and that I'm standing here with you today. I mean, what happened in 2004, that was a bad night for me. But God used that. But before that, I had been arrested multiple times. 
I had looked up the barrel of policeman's gun multiple times. I had been shot at. I had been beat up. I had, um, I had hurt others. I mean, don't get the wrong impression. I wasn't a violent criminal, but I had a knack for putting myself in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I was using and abusing drugs and alcohol, and all I cared about was drugs and alcohol and sex. And that always put me in the wrong place. But look, here's the deal. In the humility of my failures, I surrendered eventually. You know, it took Peter three years. It took me a lot longer than three years. But I surrendered and I said, yes, Lord. And I asked the Holy Spirit into my heart. And Jesus transformed me in ways that I never thought possible. I mean, he uses me and blesses me in ways that I never thought possible. If you were to come across somebody that I grew up with, I promise you they would tell you that they never expected me to be standing up here talking to you today. Never. I did not think that I would be alive at this point in my life, much less standing up here talking to you. Because see, here's the thing. Jesus is not just my Savior. He's my Lord, which means I surrender to him and I ask him to guide me. I'm sharing this with y'all for a reason. I'm not getting paid for this. This is not an infomercial. And quite honestly, this is not pleasant for me to do. I'm just being real with you, okay? But I'm telling you this today because God loves you. And he wants more for you. And he has so much more for you. If you would just let him transform you. I owe God everything. Everything. I want you to have that. I want you to feel that. That's why I'm standing here. So I think I have another slide. Make Jesus your Lord, not just your Savior. Say yes, Lord. And let him transform you into the person that God wants you to be. Drop your nets and say, yes, Lord, and follow him. Fair enough? Yes. So if, uh, if anybody in this room wants to talk more about what that means, then uh, we'll be hanging out over here in just a few minutes uh, when we're done. And you can come and talk to us about that. If you were at a place in your life today where you just feel like you're ready to say yes, Lord, then please come over here and talk to us about that when we're done. And if you don't have time today, then call the church office on Monday and they'll give you my phone number and email address and reach out to me. Because I would love to talk to you about that. Fair enough? Fair enough. Would you all stand with me real quick? I want to tell you that God is still in the miracle business because I actually have about a minute and 45 seconds left, I think. <laughs> two minutes, maybe two minutes. Y'all pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we are so crazy, crazy grateful 
for, for you today, Lord. We are crazy grateful for your uh, amazing grace and love and forgiveness offered through your son Jesus Christ and that, that wonderful sacrifice that he made for us, Lord God. I just, God, I just beg you, Lord God, to just continue, continue stoking the fire in the hearts of my friends here, Lord God. God, we are here for one reason and one reason only, because we need you, because we want you, and we want everything that you have to offer. So empty us, Lord. Empty us. Help us surrender ourselves, God, and invite your Holy Spirit into our lives. God, we love you, we praise you, and we pray to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great day. Thank you for coming.